The judgment of God is sobering. When you imagine whole valley of Sodom and Gomorrah smoking, when you see the rich man in hell lifting up his eyes in torment, when you read about the lake of fire, all of these things are really sobering and ought to put within us not a being repelled by God, but just a healthy respect for him. At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Psalm 119, verse 113. Law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart, depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Father, thank you. I ask that you would use the word of God tonight in our hearts, that we would be strengthened, encouraged. Lord, that our respect for you would uh, grow greater. And so I ask that you would bless this time, bless your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at the heart of the one who uh, lives by the word of God. And we've had a lot of different themes. And tonight we're going to look at the heart of the one who's fearing, God-fearing. Um, when, when there's this matter of fear or respect for God, um, it's, a, it's a serious thing. This is how the this section in Psalm 119 ends, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I'm afraid of thy judgments. A little earlier, he talks about the respect that he has to his statutes. Uh, when, you know, when you're dealing with big equipment, different things, you, you, you've got to be, you got to be careful. Um, if you're trying to get a piano, a grand piano up a staircase, I've done that before. Um, you want to make sure you're secured. Um, you don't want something happening. Um, if you, um, I can remember when I was a boy on the farm. I was just seventh grade, uh, wasn't real proficient. Uh, we had just moved to the farm from New Mexico, and uh, so I was a city boy on the farm, and dad put me, my stepdad put me up on the tractor to, to help him hook up a front harrow on the, between the, the front, you know, the front wheel and the back wheels right underneath the the engine there, and uh, he had me there pulling that up to get it just right so he could put the pins in it. And so he was in a very precarious position. And uh, he was up there by between the harrow and the, and the tractor. And uh, for just a moment there, I kind of lost my senses and, and, and wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. And it was an exciting moment. And then I found the clutch. But, you know, it, that's a serious deal. Um, that could have been the end of him right there had I, had I not found the clutch and, and I end up running over him uh, and the harrow and all of that. That would have been, that would have been horrible. Um, you know, when you have serious things like that, you want to you wanna be very careful, very respectful. And when we deal with God, when we have a fear of God. It distinguishes who we are. Uh, it, it, it will detain us from certain things. We just won't do certain things. 
Uh, there have been some jobs that I've come up to, and I just think, you know what, I, I just don't think I can handle this one. I think I need some help. It'll be too dangerous. And uh, I was moving a, um, that big paper cutter in the office when we were remodeling the offices. One night I was trying to get it out of, out of my way, and uh, I was pushing around, and, and it got away from me. And it fell towards me, and I tried to get out of the way, and I, and I pretty much did, but it caught my, my left leg here right above the knee. And uh, I, if I hadn't, a, if, just another inch, I, I'm sure it would have broken my leg. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy, heavy business. And um, I just think now when I start moving stuff, I think, you know what, maybe better find some help here. <laughs> I don't need any more, I don't need a broken leg or whatever else. Um, God's, God's fear will detain a person. It will keep them from doing things. God's fear will direct the person and keep him on the right path. God's fear is, motivates when, when Lot came out of Sodom. And, you know, he, he appealed to the angels. Let me go over here to Zoar. It's just a little one. And so the angel heard him and said, all right, you can go over to Zoar. But when, when the fire fell... And his, and his wife turned into a pillar of salt. The Bible says that he was afraid to even go to Zoar. He, he fled for the hills. Uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, he didn't have a fear of God. He, he seemed like one who was mocking to his sons-in-laws. But by the end of it, he, he had a whole different view of God. And that God give us that. Abimelech, when he, when he took, you know, he saw... Sarah, she's such a beautiful woman, he takes her to himself, and uh, before, before a wedding can take place, God comes to him in the middle of the night and says, you're a dead man. You have another man's wife. And he says, Lord, I'm innocent. We're, we're a righteous nation. We didn't know. The man said he was a, she was his sister. But uh, the Bible says, that the next morning when Abimelech told his, his, his staff, if you will, that they were sorely afraid, they were very fearful because God showed up in the middle of the night and said, you're a dead man. Well, that'll put the fear, fear into you. Job, Job was a man who feared God and he stewed evil. Even Satan noticed that. Joseph um, fled from Potiphar's wife because he feared God. And the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is fear God. Have the fear of God in the, in the New Testament. Fear God. And so we're going to see in this passage the effect of how the fear of God affects his attitude, his actions, his associations, what he gives attention to, his affection, what he loves. The fear of God gets to be very broad. So here's the man who fears God. Three things about him. We're going to see his position in verses 113 through 115. We're going to see his prayer in verses 116, 117. And then the final verses, we're going to see his persuasion. <coughs> so let's take a look at his position. First thing about his position that we see here is his stand. I hate vain thoughts, um, but thy law do I love. You see his stand and his hatred. He hates vain thoughts. Interesting word here. It's the word that means divided. He, he can put it this way. I hate half-heartedness. Um, the New Testament has some things that are very close to it. Um, 
might put it this way. I hate double-mindedness. You know, James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, you know, uh, purify your heart, ye double-minded. And the need to get sin out and be pure. That context in James chapter 4 where it talks about purify your heart, ye double-minded, is in the same context where it says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And this two-timing on God, having a love affair with the world and then trying to... Uh, uh, try to pass off that there's a love for God too. That kind of thing is, is half-hearted. There's, there's a divided heart. Um, the Lord warns about this sort of thing. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't, you can't serve both. Um, there, the, these people who, who pretend to love Christ but love their, their wickedness, they're unstable. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Um, like Elijah said to the people during, on Mount Carmel, he says, why do you halt between two opinions? So the fear of God clears up this, this double-mindedness, this half-heartedness, to the point that the person says here, I hate half-heartedness. I hate double-mindedness. This is his stand. You also see his heart here. But thy law do I love. I love your law. I love the word of God. And... Um, I think of the psalm, Psalm 1-2 again. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I love the word of God. This is where my heart is. This is his stand. This is his position. You see not only his stand, you see his shelter in verse 2. Thou art my hiding place, my shield. You're my shelter. You're my cover. There's some psalms. I'd just like to read a few verses in the psalms for you. Psalm 27, verse 5. Psalm 27, 5. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret, there we go, in the hiding place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. To just, in the time of trouble, to, to be sheltered by him. This is the refuge. Um, a person who fears God will trust God. Psalm 32, verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. And she'll compass me about with songs of deliverance. And um, I think maybe that's where that, Thou art my hiding place, my song in the night. It may come from this verse. I don't know. There's several like this. Psalm 61, verse 4. Psalm 61, verse 4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Under his wings, I am safely abiding. And to be in that safe place. This is the person who, who fears God. He, he is in the shadow of the Almighty. He, he, is, he is sheltered by the Lord. The Lord's his hiding place. The Lord's his, is his hope. Back to verse 114. I hope in thy word. I'm going to wait for his, your word. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Yet will I hope in him. I'm going to, I'm going to just... Hope in God and, and wait for Him. Um, be of good courage. The Lord is our hope. And uh, to have our, our expectations and our reliance on Him. This is His position. His, his stand is seen. His, his shelter. The person that fears God not only has uh, these two, but he also has a separation. Look at verse 115. Depart from me, ye evildoers. 
for I will keep the commandments of my God. These evil people, these injurious people that do mischief and hurt and, and bad, that, follow, that don't follow the, the, the word of God, the laws of God, that don't sh love their neighbor, but take advantage. The first reference to this word in the Bible is talking about the men of Sodom and Gomorrah. In his insistence here, depart from me. It's an imperative. Get out of here. Leave. He, Psalm, 100, Psalm 26. Some more Psalms here. More matter of fact, maybe a, half, maybe a dozen passages in the um, Bible on this subject. Psalm 26, 5, I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. This is the person of integrity in Psalm 26. Um, he, he talks about his integrity. And he says, I just, I just hate, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit with the congregation of the wicked. I, I, I have no companionship. I have no like-mindedness with them. The only reason a person would sit with these people is to, to give a witness. He says, I don't enjoy their company. Um, Psalm 139, verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. I don't want anything to do with you. And then you see things like, 1 Corinthians 15.33, be not deceived, evil companions corrupt good manners. Why, why be with them? Proverbs 13.20, whoso walketh with wise men should be wise, but a companion of fools should be destroyed. I don't want to hang around with fools. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, why should we love the ungodly and those who hate the Lord? 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He just does not enjoy that kind of company. Then you go to the New Testament. There are different passages. I'll only show you a few. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that great passage on separation. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why be in the yoke with them? What fellowship or what partaking and sharing do we have does righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion, what joint participation has light with darkness? It doesn't. What concord or the idea here, um, what harmony has Christ with Belial? They don't sing the same song. There's no harmonizing between Christ and Belial. What part has he with an that believeth with an infidel, that, that assigned part where you're, you're assigned together? What, no, I don't want to be with that. Um, what agreement, what joint deposit is what that means. There's a, there, we're, both, we're coming together on the same bank account. What joint deposit hath the temple of God with idols? No. It goes on to say in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And he'll be to us uh, a father. And we'll be his sons and daughters. So this, this depart from me, you wicked. A person who fears God does not enjoy the wicked company and uh, is, recognizes these passages where it talks about 
in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 5, to withdraw, or 2 Timothy 3, 5, to avoid. And uh, these passages of Scripture that uh, command not to have fellowship with, with the works of darkness. And so we go back to our text. Depart from me, ye evildoers. A person who fears God is not comfortable um, fellowshipping, if you will, with the wicked. And then the last thing you see is submission. End of verse 115. For I will keep the commandments of my God. I, I'm going I'm to obey God's word. I'm going to watch over. I'm going to keep close to the word of God. That's what I want to do. This is his position. This is where the person who fears God stands. You can, you can tell. You can tell by who, who they hang around with. You can tell by their actions. You can tell by what they trust in. You can just see it in their stand, what they hate, what they love. And then you see his prayer. Verse 116, his prayer for support. You know, it's tough. If you're, gonna, if you're, going, to, if you're going to fear God and take a stand, you're going to need some help. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. He's praying for support here. Lord, I need you to sustain me. I need you to give me some life and, 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 and uphold me. Um, you know, the Lord upholds the righteous. Sometimes, the, sometimes people living in sin think that the Lord upholds them. The Lord upholds the righteous. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37. Again, just a, a little battery of psalms. Psalm 37, verse 17. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. He's holding his hand. He's keeping him from falling, just like a parent would do with a little child, you know. You see them, and they're going along, and they're stumbling around and falling, but the parent just keeps holding that arm and keeps them, up, keeps them upright until they can get their feet underneath them. And the Lord does that with us. Psalm 41, verse 12. As for me, thou upholdest me in my integrity and settest me before thy faith. faith. If we will be people of integrity, we'll do what's right. God will uphold. God upholds those who seek him. Psalm 63, verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing you, Lord, and you'll uphold me. And there are others. The Lord upholds the righteous. And uh, so you see this here. If we go over now to Psalm, back to Psalm 119, you see at um, Psalm verse 116, uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Lord, my prayer is for shamelessness, that when it comes to, comes to you and my hope in the word of God, that there be no shame, that I could be completely bold Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Happy is the people who has the God of, of Jacob for their help. And um, um, to have this hope, to have this help in the Lord. We're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, what a wonderful hope we have. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, it says, The Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him, on him shall not 
be ashamed. There's not going to be any shame for those who put their faith in the Lord and believe on him. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live. Let me not be ashamed of my hope. Our hope is, is in Jesus Christ. And then the last thing that ties right in with that in verse 117 is, Hold me, hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. And I just want to talk about that part first. His request is that God would support him, strengthen him. This is a different word than the other one. The other one has to do with, with being able to lean on the Lord and he support us. This word has to do with being refreshed, comforted, strengthened. And he says here, when he talks about being held up, he says, Lord, hold me up, strengthen me, and, and refresh me, if you will, and I shall be, literally, it's the word saved. Lord, refresh me, and I shall be saved. I couldn't help but think of Acts chapter 3, verse 19, when I saw that. Acts 3, 19, repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, to the person who fears God, like Cornelius and his house, who had a fear of God, and, and God brought them to salvation. Lord, hold me up um, in this passage. Hold thou, hold thou me up, and I shall be saved. And the result of this, you see at the end of the verse. And I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. It's as if to say, Lord, you saved me. And I'll respect your words. I'll look, at, I'll look to your word forever to be a new creature in Christ, to have his working in us. This is the prayer. This is the desire. He wants the support of God. He wants, the, he wants this shamelessness, this boldness that comes as he puts his confidence in the Lord. He wants the Lord's saving work. And then you see his persuasion, his attitude, what he is convinced of in verses 118 through 120. Here it is. You see his, you see his persuasion of the fear of God in his recognition. He recognizes God's disregard of the wicked. And thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. The idea of treading something down. Uh, to, to make light of it, um, to just toss it aside like, like garbage, um, to have no value, something trodden underfoot. Um, you know, I think of the Lord tre treading out the, the, the wine press of the fierceness of his wrath at the end. And God here, thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. God does not smile on sin and deception, and, and waywardness. All that error go astray, he, he will tread them down. This is the persuasion of the person that fears God. He realizes that there, there is a, it, it is important to fear God. You, you, you need to respect God. Not like Eli's sons, who treated God lightly, and God treated them lightly. So he has this recognition of the, of the disregard of the wicked by God and then also the deception of the wicked that they are just deceived in their paths. It says in the passage of Scripture, their deceit is falsehood. And um, they, get, they, get, they believe their lies. I was talking and dealing with somebody this week and I just... 
dealing with their lies. And they had, they had lied to themselves that the, that the wicked sin that they're doing is okay. And trying to deal with that. And it's just like it says here in the passage, their deceit is falsehood. They, they, they're deceiving themselves. They, their deceptions are deceiving. And so you see, the, he recognizes the disregard of the wicked, the deception of the wicked. He wants no part of this. He, he sees the dross, if you will, of the wicked in verse 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Dross is the, when you heat up the, the different metal and you try to get the impurities out, the, it's the dross, the, the impurities that come to the top that you scrape off and, and cast aside so that you can have pure metal, refined metal. And the, and the wicked are like the dross that are just scraped off and thrown away. And uh, there's lots of examples of the wicked in the Old Testament. I won't go through all of them, but it begins with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it goes through the different aspects of the law, the, 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 those who smite, those who are false witnesses. It carries on as it gets into the book of Numbers, children of Israel talking about Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and, the, and their wickedness. And then it, and it comes on into the kings. People like Ahab are wicked. They are like this dross that the Lord, as it says here, he puts away all the wicked of the earth. He, 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 he scrapes it off and he gets rid of it. He destroys it. He's done with it. So you see his persuasion and he recognizes how God deals with the wicked. And then you see it in his response. Two responses that come out of this person in his persuasion. Number one is his love, his devotion. He says at the end of verse 119, I love thy testimonies. I just love them. Just love the book. I love what God has said about things. And and I just, I I can enjoy it and and learn it and live it all, all a life. Isn't it wonderful? It's not just a little 10-page manual. It's a book that can last a lifetime. And it is the Word of God, and it is a wonderful book to love. And it is truth. And not only do you see his devotion, you see his dread. He says, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. I, God, I fear you, I respect you, and I respect your punishments. I, I see what you have done down through the ages. I mean, when you just... You, when you see things out in nature and you're reminded of the worldwide flood, you realize, wow, the flood was big judgment. Everything that on earth that had breath died except for what was in that ark. The judgment of God is sobering. When you imagine what happened in the whole valley of Jordan smoking after God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, sobering. When you see the rich man in hell lifting up his eyes in torment, sobering. When you read about the lake of fire, all of these things are really sobering and ought to put within us not a, not a, a, a being repelled by God, but, but just a, a healthy respect for him. And uh, we ought to love him. We ought to fear him. The one who fears God and ha- wants to live by the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that you would use it in our hearts. Lord, may we be people who fear you. Certainly this world, so many in it, have no fear of you. But God, may we show the fear of God 
in our spirits, in our hearts. And I pray that you would work it in us by your Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Pear Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead then you may right now pray and according to Romans 10:13 call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ if you've made a decision to trust Christ let us know the number of the offices at Pear Park Baptist Church is 434-4113 someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours in addition the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.